Hello, and welcome to the Middle East Forum speaker webinar series. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Sam Westrop, Director of, the, of Islamist Watch, and Benjamin Baird, Director of Counter Islamist Grid here at the Middle East Forum, join us to discuss Muslim Brotherhood Hardly Matters. Sam and Ben will speak for 15 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type out your question. And with that, I'll turn the discussion over to Sam Westrop. Thank you, Stacey. Um, the title, I think, is uh, deliberately provocative. Um, the Muslim Brotherhood, I'm sure most of our audience have heard of. Uh, it's not to say it doesn't matter at all. It matters less. Islamist Watch, uh, founded in 2006, was set up to monitor nonviolent or lawful Islamism. And lawful Islamism uh, in 2006 was understood rather differently to lawful Islamism as it's understood today. Back in 2006, the threat of Islamism was divided into or delineated into uh, the violent threat, Al-Qaeda, um, uh, the, the, the beginning of rumblings of Al-Qaeda in Iraq and various branches around the Middle East and Boko Haram and Al-Shabaab and so on. Lawful Islamism was chiefly known as the Muslim Brotherhood. And that's because of uh, excellent investigative work done by groups um, like the Middle East Forum, but also by uh, the Investigative Project on Terrorism and other organizations at the time. And what that, uh, uh, those investigations found were uh, an extraordinary network and infrastructure set up by uh, this Egyptian Islamist organization, this Egyptian Islamist movement, the Muslim Brotherhood, back in the 60s and 70s. And they, they lay the groundwork for American Islamism as we know it, uh, and were the basis for a lot of the counter-Islamist investigations and studies in the 2000s. But the Muslim Brotherhood is not the only Islamist gang in town. Um, Islam and Islamism is, is diverse, and this is a point we Islamist watch has made quite a, a bit over the last few years. It's extremely diverse. It's not just Sunni and Shia. It's uh, hundreds, thousands of movements and sects and groups divided, delineated by um, uh, theology, by politics, by cultural uh, alignment, by ethnicity, by um, adherence to certain mysticism, such as, as, as Sufism and so on. So, so Islam is diverse, Islamism is diverse, and, and the Muslim Brotherhood is just one group. Um, over the past year and a half, Islamist Watch has made a, a concerted effort to investigate uh, the other networks operating across the United States. Um, a plurality of American Islam is, is South Asian. Um, and with South Asian Islam become, uh, comes along South Asian Islamism. So we have groups like Jamati Islami, often thought of as the South Asian cousin of the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, Jamati Islami operates all around the country, uh, both uh, a Bangladeshi component, a Pakistani component, and even a small Indian component. We found them uh, last year, we found that they were tied to a terrorist organization in Pakistan. That is, we found an American proxy of Jamati Islami, a group called the Islamic Circle of North America, and it's uh, a, a branch of its, uh, uh, that it's set up called Helping Hand for Relief and Development. We discovered ties to Kashmiri jihadists. Uh, that led us into looking to groups like the Deobandis, another very important uh, South Asian sect, sometimes referred to as a sort of South Asian version of, of Salafism, but that's a, a bit of a simplification. Um, but Deobandi mosques have been uh, 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 
ever present in various radicalization cases across the US for the last few years. Extraordinarily, no one had looked at them before, despite there being this enormous network in the United States filled with seminaries and um, uh, schools and uh, uh, various religious training programs and youth groups and community groups and so on. Um, uh, there's increasing evidence that Deobandi mosques may be funding Deobandi terrorist organizations in, in Pakistan and Kashmir. And that's something we're also uh, in writing up at the moment and you should expect to see from us in, in the next few, few months. Uh, we looked at Tablighi Jamaat, a group that every uh, European and American security official knows who they are because of their uh, ever presence um, in uh, uh, radicalization terrorism cases like the Deobandis. Um, and uh, yet no one has really studied the Tabi Hijamat network. So we started doing that as well. Then there are the Shia Islamists. There are the uh, uh, supporters of, of, of Tehran. There are uh, South Asian Shias who uh, support radical Shia uh, Islamism in Pakistan as, as, as well. Then we have Mal Malaysia. We have a growing Islamist force there. We're seeing that in the US as well. We've written a number of pieces on, on a couple of clerics aligned with Malaysian uh, Islamism. And then there's the question of domestic Islamism, by which I mean Islamism that yes, once perhaps had its roots in the Muslim Brotherhood, but has changed over time and no longer listens to orders in Cairo or uh, takes uh, command or, or instructions from anyone in Doha or, or, uh, or Ankara. No, they've developed their own ideology that is certainly has its base, has its foundations in the uh, Islamism of the Middle East and the Islamism of South Asia, but has taken on distinctly American characteristics, including a curious alliance with progressivism that has genuinely fused. You know, there, there are now today across the country uh, activists and groups who advocate for various aspects of, say, Sharia law, while also attending gay rights marches without any sense of paradox, without any sense of, of confusion. Islamism is evolving and changing. And because of that change, there's, of course, a backlash to that change, there's a reaction to that change. And so now we're seeing um, groups from the Salafi tradition, the, 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 which is the, the purest revivalist Middle Eastern uh, uh, hardline conservative Islam, uh, we're seeing them react, revolt against these changes, against the, this embrace of ideas they consider to be deeply un-Islamic. And we're seeing new Islamist forces come out of that. So Islamism is dramatically uh, revising itself and evolving, changing, and we're following it, we're studying it. Uh, we've written quite a few pieces this uh, year on this very question. Um, uh, we're very closely looking at these new groups set up, these new networks, we're looking at how money plays into that, we're looking at the transfer of finances between organizations, between foreign states and domestic organizations. Um, we're able to um, uh, take a much broader view of Islamism in the United States and how it's operating. It is a mistake to still talk about the Muslim Brotherhood, it is particularly a mistake to use the words Muslim Brotherhood to refer to Islamism more generally. And that's something that I think uh, our entire sort of counter-Islamist industry has been a little guilty of uh, the last 10, 20 years. Islamism is much more complicated and much more interesting than that. Uh, and we're working hard to find out exactly how much and, and, and to what extent these lesser known groups are involved, not just in questions of radicalization and terror, 
but also just of of extremism and radical and 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 uh, turning a next generation of, of of American Muslims into a more politicized uh, community, and that's something we fear and something we're we're working against. Uh, we've got a number of projects that do all these things, and in a second, my colleague uh, Benjamin Baird will mention uh, our Islamism in Politics project and our, our Counter Islamist Grid uh, initiative. Uh, I just wanted to give you a, a cup, two very quick or three very quick examples of particular projects you should expect to see from us in the next few months. Firstly, I mentioned um, Jamati Islami and the Deobandis, the South Asian Islamist movement as well. Um, the entire Islamist scene has, over the last year, refocused a lot of its efforts from Israel and the Palestinian territories to India and Kashmir. Now, this is outside. Geographically, this is outside the Middle East Forum's uh, uh, area of focus. And so while we're not particularly interested in the politics of Kashmir, we are very interested in the fact that Western Islamists, including Middle Eastern inspired Islamists, are shifting their attention to Kashmir. And groups like American uh, Muslims for Palestine and um, uh, CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations, and ICNA, the, the group earlier that is the Jamati Islami proxy I mentioned, these groups are now obsessing over Kashmir. They're launching boycott, divestments, and sanctions efforts. They're inventing massacres that didn't happen and convincing Western media to write about it. Sound familiar? This is exactly what the Islamists did with the, the Palestinian territories for the last 20, 30 years. Um, something very new and interesting is happening um, uh, in American Islamism. They're expanding their horizons. Now, that, that may be because they have fewer allies in the Middle East that allow them to push the anti-Israel angle as, as much as they once did. But Kashmir, India, is a new focus, and we should expect to see that. So we're working on a couple of pieces, examining the, the anti-India pro-Kashmir network uh, that grew out of Americanismism and how it's tied both to terrorists in the East and extremists here in the West. Uh, so expect that from us uh, over the next few uh, weeks. In fact, we've got something coming up very shortly. Um, we're continuing to look at financing, as I mentioned. We have scraped uh, cross-checking against tens of thousands of Islamist organizations and individuals. We have scraped government databases looking for government spending details, working out how much taxpayers' money is going to the hands of extremists. And if you saw a recent piece of ours on how COVID funding from the Small Business Administration, loans and grants, have ended up in the hands of some of the most horrifying extremists operating in the US today. If you haven't seen that, I do recommend checking it out. It's on the Islamist Watch uh, website at meforum.org. Um, and then also one thing that's been sorely missing from our work over the last, well, in fact, since Islamist Watch was founded, is a look at Shia Islamists in the West. We've done bits and bobs from time to time, but by and large, uh, Shia Islamism has been uh, ignored. And it is a substantial network in the US, especially in places like Michigan, uh, Dearborn, uh, but also and not just aligned with Iran, but aligned, as I mentioned earlier, with South Asian Islamists, but also with Lebanese uh, and Hezbollah. Uh, networks as well, operating all across the US. And law enforcement is taking a very um, aggressive view towards Iranian and Hezbollah networks at the moment in the United States. It makes sense that we should be following up by looking at the extremism side of this, the, the lawful Islamist side of these networks, which move millions of dollars around between institutions and move money to the Middle East and back from the Middle East. Uh, this is a big network with a lot of activity. And uh, we plan a series of, of really hard-hitting investigative work into this network over the next few months. Uh, I could go on, but I'm going to stop because I'm speaking too much. And I think now, Ben, uh, would you like to tell them about 
uh, Islamism and politics and the counter Islamist grid. Absolutely. So uh, Islamism and politics and the counter Islamist grid are two of the uh, Middle East Forum's newer projects. Uh, the counter Islamist grid uses researchers and activists to counter and expose Islamism at the at the local level. Uh, Islamism and politics kind of grew out of our Islamist money and politics where we tracked political donations from Islamist sources, both individuals and organizations. Uh, and, and it works at countering Islamism at the uh, really the local state and federal level. We try to pay particular attention to the local and state level where we find that many uh, many people who, who keep an eye on these things, many counter Islamists uh, haven't necessarily been focusing so much on local politics insofar as Islamism is concerned. Uh, but Islamists definitely have found a foothold in local politics by running races, running elections, uh, campaigning at the local level, uh, both at school board races, county commissioners, judgeships. Uh, so, you know, they've been very active uh, at the local level and we're, we're working to, to sort of counter this. Now, uh, we find that many, since they're both very localized, the counter Islamist grid and IIP, uh, both uh, sort of overlap in their mission in many ways. So we work together to do this. Both projects overlap and, uh, you know, we work to, together to counter at the local level. One uh, thing we've noticed, at Sam, as Sam mentioned, uh, the, the Muslim Brotherhood type groups aren't uh, as active or at least as active they may be ideologically uh, inspired by the Muslim Brotherhood. However, we're finding that uh, state actors have been taking a more active role in working with these groups, whether it be uh, CARE or ICNA, uh, the Islamic Circle of North America, um, Islamic Society of North America. Uh, we find that all of them have sort of found patronage from Islamist regimes overseas. And one of those is Turkey, who has been uh, very active in influencing local Islamist groups in America. Um, one of the ways they're doing this lately is through a series of political action committees uh, that together, it's five PACs, that together are called the 10,000 Turks campaign. And what we found by looking at donors who give to these PACs is that many of its donors are involved with uh, civil society organizations, which basically work on behalf of a Turkish agenda. Um, we find that some of them have been part of the Turkish embassy and are actually registered foreign agents now. Uh, some have been uh, part of FBI investigations uh, to see if they are in fact working on behalf of the Justice and Development Party in, in Turkey. Um, one donor to this PAC, uh, Ibrahim Danishmaz, actually left the U.S. and went to Turkey uh, after, after an FBI investigation. Um, now, there were warnings of this in 2016. The Clinton campaign, uh, it was revealed in WikiLeaks emails, uh, actually was warned that, hey, some of Erdogan's proxies in America are trying to influence U.S. politics. Uh, as a result, they were told not to give to, or not to take money from uh, some Turkish Americans who actually happened to be heavily involved in uh, the uh, 10,000 Turks campaign. Uh, so that's something we've been working on. 
were actually uh, letting politicians know that, especially those who took money from the 10,000 Turks campaign that look, uh, you're actually being influenced here by uh, Turkish regime proxies. Um, and uh, you know, we asked that they either return the donations or refuse to accept donations from these groups in the future. Uh, you know, there were WikiLeaks emails also in Turkey uh, that revealed really a substantial operation. Uh, it was the Turkish Heritage Organization, which was founded a few years back. Um, THO, when it was being founded, Ibrahim uh, Danijmaz was exchanging emails with Turkish officials talking about how they want to establish sort of a lobbying front in the US that would look like it's a nonprofit, that would look like its mission was public education, but instead it was designed to, uh, to sort of promote the Turkish agenda. Um, so there's no question that these groups are working on behalf uh, of Turkuan, uh, I'm sorry, of Turkey and Erdogan. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've been trying to take steps to, to mitigate that. Uh, the counter-Islamist grid has also worked uh, to take on uh, Turkish influence in America. One of Turkey's main goals is uh, to sort of um, uh, to sort of counter the uh, narrative that there was an Armenian genocide during World War One. Uh, so you know the counter Islamist grid has published uh, articles that uh, sort of explain what happened. Um, you know Turkey has part of its pacts and and through some of its groups. Uh, has worked very heavily to uh, to fund politicians who will sort of promote their idea on the Armenian genocide that you know it ever happened, uh, or at least that uh, it, it it didn't just happen to Armenia. That Turkey's Turkey was also victims uh, during World War One as part of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, so that's another thing we're doing. Now Sam talked about how. Uh, Many of these groups are no longer aligned with the Muslim Brotherhood. One of these groups, the American Muslims for Palestine, um, AMP, continues to be active and sort of, uh, you know, supporting the Palestinian national agenda. Um, and one way, one of the ways they've done this is to sort of hold a lobby day in the nation's capital. Every year they've done this the past few years to try to sort of uh, get politicians to support a number of legislation uh, that sort of demonizes Israel. Um, they've done this for many years. However, this year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, uh, they, were, they were forced to hold their lobby online. Uh, it was a virtual Palestinian advocacy day, they called it. Um, so members of the counter-Islamist grid sort of registered for this event. Um, as a result, we were able to infiltrate their legislative meetings with members of Congress and uh, really uh, counter their agenda. You know, we weren't so much concerned with the Palestinian-Israel conflict. However, we did want lawmakers to know that uh, this is a group, for instance, that the Anti-Defamation League uh, considers to promote an anti-Israel agenda and provide a platform for anti-Semitism. Um, as we let lawmakers know this, some of them actually identified with us and told the AMP lobbyists that, hey, you know, um, Hamas is not a 
suitable partner for peace in the region. Um, this made some of the AMP lobbyists furious, as you can imagine, um, and they started bickering with some of the legislative aides. So we were really able to, what I like to say, crash Palest Palestine Advocacy Day, which AMP held. Now, um, again, AMP isn't necessarily a Muslim Brotherhood front anymore. Uh, they may, although they were founded as a part of the Islamic Association of Palestine, and several of its board members are still active with AMP. Um, you know, what we find is really like many American Islamist groups, they're taking patronage from Turkey. Um, they've, during several of their events, for instance, they had a protest in Washington, D.C., uh, where the AMP supporters chanted Erdogan's name and said that he was the uh, ruler of the Muslim Ummah. Um, several, uh, there's members of AMP, uh, Hatem Bazian, for instance, um, is a, is a regular, uh, is a regular contributor to uh, Turkish media in the U.S., which really uh, is a is a AKP front. Um, so this is another way that we've taken on sort of foreign actors in the in the U.S. Uh, we plan to continue that in in the future with several activities we have planned. All right, thank you both so much for speaking with us. Uh, we have quite a few questions coming in. First one is, what would you say is the most influential Islamist network in the world right now? That's a good question. Um, again, I think the sheer diversity of Islamism uh, makes that an impossible question to answer. It depends on the region, it depends um, uh, what the, the kind of Islam, the caliber of Islamism we're talking about. Is it? terroristic, is this um, political and quietist, is this uh, aggressive and activist space? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to unfortunately answer your question with, without a, an answer. Um, I, I, just from the position of, of the US, United States, uh, I would say uh, two groups are the most powerful. In other words, the organizations that currently run American Islamism, I would suggest are one, uh, um, what we call modernist Salafism, uh, this new breed of Salafism that's grown in, uh, to a leadership position in the last uh, few years, along with then a hybrid mix of Jamati Islami and the Muslim Brotherhood and uh, Deobandis, all of whom now are working together more closely than ever, whereas once they were divided by uh, theological and political disagreements, now they've, they've overcome a lot of these divisions to, to in pursuit of what they call the United Ummah, the United People. Um, so it's a complicated question in the US, yeah, the Salafis and the Islamists. I do recommend, uh, we published two months ago, I think, a guide to American Islamism, which is on the front of the Islamist Watch project website, debbieforum.org, um, and it gives a brief rundown of the main Islamist groups active in the United States. Uh, it's not comprehensive, it doesn't have everything, but it has a significant number, a significant amount of information, so I do recommend you check that out. Thank you so much. So no doubt that kinds and organizations of Islamism change. Do you think that the Egyptians or, or Saudis consider the Muslim Brotherhood as lawful Islamists or often Turks behind them? I'm, I'm sorry, what was the last bit? That or question? often Turks behind them. Uh, behind the brother? Okay, so um, the Muslim Brotherhood today is primarily based in Doha and, and Ankara and Turkey and, and Qatar. Um, the, uh, in 2013, the uh, UAE, the, the Emirates and Saudi uh, turned against the Brotherhood. Uh, that coincided with the fall of Mohammed Morsi in Egypt, the short-lived 
Muslim Brotherhood present. Uh, present. Now, today, uh, the Middle East is thoroughly divided on this question. Uh, Saudi and the Emirates and Egypt regard the Muslim Brotherhood not just as lawful Islamists, but as, as a terrorist organization. Um, obviously, there are other politics at play here that lead, especially a Wahhabi state like Saudi Arabia, to say such things. Um, Qatar, meanwhile, pushes, um, even though Qatar is technically a Wahhabi state, it pushes the Muslim Brotherhood uh, agenda around the world, uh, including here in the US, both financially and through uh, uh, various media efforts and soft power in universities and so on. Turkey has its own ideology. Uh, Erdogan's AKP has a very distinct form of Islamism. It's not the Muslim Brotherhood, it's very different. But they've embraced uh, the Brotherhood as partners. And American Islamism rely on Erdogan and Turkey for money, for support, uh, for partnership. Uh, Middle Eastern uh, politics is complicated at the best of times. And when it comes to the question of how it connects and, and interacts with Western Islamism, it gets even more complicated than that. Yeah, I, I should also add that uh, something that sort of embodies uh, these two polarized differences we're seeing in the Middle East is that um, Turkey's Erdogan has basically said that there's no such thing as moderate Islam. There's only one Islam. Um, and of course, uh, Saudi, Arabia, Saudi Arabia's Mohammed bin Salman disagrees and promises to return his kingdom to uh, what he calls a moderate Islam. Um, and practice whether or not that's working, um, you know, is another question. But there's definitely a disagreement both in the Middle East and the U.S. among among Islamists and uh, Middle Eastern regimes. Thank you so much. And Ben, I think this next question is for you. What efforts are being made to expose and counteract Muslim Brotherhood and Islamist supporters at the congressional level, as well as the apologists such as Bernie Sanders? Uh, right, that's a great question. Um, you know, at the congressional level, I think one huge effort uh, that Islamist Watch has taken is uh, to identify the uh, Islamists who are funding congressional races. Uh, we've just taken a look at, um, you know, over a thousand um, from a database of over a thousand Islamists. Uh, there were quite a few that have given to congressional campaigns and we want to expose those. Um, and when they come from radical extremist organizations, we want to let members of Congress know exactly who they are taking money from. Uh, another thing we want to do uh, is to interrupt um, Islamist propaganda in the United States. Uh, the Middle East Forum was quite successful in doing this by uh, being part of an effort to convince the Justice Department uh, to designate uh, Al Jazeera as a, a foreign agent. Now, uh, recently the Justice Department ended up designating AJ Plus as a foreign agent. Uh, this is sort of a, uh, a savvy online only format uh, for Al Jazeera. It doesn't push some of the Islamist propaganda uh, that you see from their Arabic language sources and even from some of their Al Jazeera English sources. Um, however, they are very much interested, uh, for instance, in under, undermining America's democratic institutions, causing us to lose faith in our, in our government. Uh, you know, and this is all part of an effort by Islamist regimes basically to uh, counter American interests. Those are just two examples. There are many more, but uh, 
you know, those are two successes we've had or continue to have. Thank you. And why does CARE seem to receive such widespread acceptance in government and private circles in the U.S.? Uh, well, uh, good question. Um, really, in 2008, well, 7, 2008, when CARE was the Council of American Islamic Relations, when it was named by federal prosecutors as an uninvited co-conspirator in the largest terror finance case in American history, that really should be the end of CARE in a sane and just world. Um, the Department of Justice instructed the FBI to never deal with them again uh, uh, across the board. The federal government started using associations with care as ammunition in immigration cases and other court cases. It really shouldn't have been the end of care. But as we know, it wasn't. And care is now today not just one of the leading um, Muslim organizations in, in, in the United States. It, it's also a very prominent voice in the anti-Trump uh, uh, activism of the last four years. In other words, it's become a key part of the progressive uh, fights against uh, 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 Trumpism. Against, uh, well, more, not, not just Trump, but American politics as a whole. And, you know, it's no coincidence that uh, CARE is at the forefront of the legal battle against uh, a whole number of executive policies uh, at the moment. So CARE has survived. CARE is accepted. CARE flourishes because CARE had made sure not to just be the group that was caught being involved with Hamas and with, with terrorist organizations. It's, it's, it's survived because it's performed itself to become not just Islamist, but progressivist as well, not to become not just uh, uh, theocratic, but uh, something that pushes a whole broader range of agendas from which they can find useful partners, not just in the far left, but even in, in the center. Um, uh, and care is very quick to seem reasonable when when they can. And um, you know, scandals like uh, Ahmed, the, the clock boy, as it's sometimes referred to, the, the, the young child whose, whose, whose clock was reported as a bomb by an overzealous school. Um, care was quick to jump on that and be the voice of reason and of outrage there. And it, it allows them to not just distract from the extremism of the past, which they were so close to time, but also to present them in the face of an overzealous security establishment or a, an overreaching government or an over paranoid Republican Party allows them to seem not just non-extremist, but also sensible. Um, and CARE has done this extremely well. Now, part of that has entailed leaving behind the Muslim Brotherhood, and we have a nice loop now back to my original motif. Um, uh, and you know, that's been a key part of, of, of CARE's growth and CARE's change. Here's the interesting thing. Today, across the country, CARE is staffed by not just these old Muslim Brotherhood Guard types, but also uh, young, fashionable, hijab-wearing, transgender rights-supporting activists in care branches across the country. This is fascinating. What a mix of two worlds. Yet this symbolizes what care is about, the, the old and the new, uh, east and west. And it is a little surprise that, as I mentioned before, the more traditionalism, they're very unhappy with, with care and very unhappy with what they've become. But it's worked. CARE is now one of the premier civil rights organizations. Absurdly, uh, it's one of the most important civil rights organizations in America, and it's widely regarded by all. We continue to fight that. We will continue to expose their hypocrisies, their inequities. Uh, so, you know, stay tuned. And along those lines, if our viewers would like to support Islamist Watch or CIG, how can they go about doing that? Uh, well, that's the most important question of all. Um, 
please go to uh, middleeastforum.org forward slash participation or just go to Middle East Forum uh, website and click on the big donate button. Uh, there you can select Islamist Watch as the recipient uh, project of your donation. We need all the help we can get. The next few years are going to be an extremely, possibly are going to be an extremely bountiful time for Americans, not just for, for Ben's work in, uh, in Congress and uh, uh, locally around the country, but also in terms of an evolving Islamist threat that will increasingly feed more into radicalization and terror. Um, and will generate an entire radicalized generation of, of American Muslims is vital we step up our efforts now. So any support you can offer is uh, sorely needed and gratefully appreciated. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for coming to speak with us today. We're at the close of our webinar. Uh, for our viewers, as you finish up your holiday shopping this year, we would like to remind you that we are a part of the Amazon Smile Charity Program. You can select the Middle East Forum as your charity and Amazon will donate 0.5% of the price of eligible purchases to the charity of your choice. So far this year, we have raised over $1,000 through this program. Also, please join us Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern for an Israel Victory Project update with Navet Dromi. Thank you all for joining us and I hope you have a wonderful day.